Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Nikki. And you're listening to Through the Thick and Thin Red Line. A podcast intended to shed light on firefighter issues inside the firehouse and outside the firehouse. We're definitely not mental health professionals or have any professional training or certification in mental health. But we do have experiences. So if you're intending to use this for the sole purpose of entertainment or just to relate to an issue that you may be encountering, we're here for you. We hope that you enjoy this and it's going to be great. Hi, Nikki. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We have a lot to talk about today. We do. Um, kind of like even more of a continuation from episode two. It is. Okay. And you had told me, like, what was it more that we had to throw out? Because we did the resiliency. We did. And I think we did a really good job talking about things. I got a lot of positive feedback about that. Um, not just on our stories, but a lot of people came to me and they pretty much told me, like, I needed to hear that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was super grateful that, that maybe we were able to help. Well, that's um, awesome. And put some things into perspective. Um, but before we get into that, before we start laying more out, kind mm-hmm. of a continuation from episode two, we had a question of the week. Dun, dun, dun. This, yeah, it was, uh, I've asked this question to a lot of people, and this is a really good road trip question. It killed about an hour and a half from here to Phoenix, and I wish it would have been longer. Um, Damn, I don't know if we have an hour and a half. No, well, no. Well, well I asked... I asked my son Daniel. I asked Gavin. Oh, I so asked you got Bea, different. Opinions. I asked Sanaida. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gavin just went all in and said yes. Wow. Absolutely. Now I need to know what we're going to talk about. All right. So the question of the day is Could you fall in love with an AI? And I'm talking, when I mean AI, I mean I'm talking perfect human qualities I'm talking this thing doesn't talk like a robot does not like it cries it smells sometimes you can have an opportunity to build it but it's more based on your personality and what it's going to connect with and when you purchase it it's not going to be delivered to your door it's just going to somehow meet you in society and you're not going to know if it's it or not but at one moment you will know Holy shit, this is my AI. What? Would you be able to fall in love with an AI? What? Yeah, like if there was one perfect guy out there that you could model, even with the perfect imperfections, and you could build that off of an algorithm made for your likes, your interests, and your emotional varieties in your head, which is going to be complex. I'm just saying that right now, particularly for you. <laughs> I um, hate you. <laughs> it has to do with all my bullshit. I'm just would you be able to love it even therefore after you realized this is a machine? This is, as Bayo would say, a cyborg. No, I can't. You wouldn't be able to fall in love with it? No. Or remain no. Fall in love with it. Okay. Tell me why. Because I feel like, well, is it like a machine that's going to tell me I'm always right? 
Like no, it'll have like a scheduled conflict, just you know, to spice things up, and oh, it's gonna. It'll okay, so it actually like. Yeah, it's gonna learn from you, and it's also gonna say like, well, things are going too perfect. Like, in order for me to learn, I need to create a conflict also, and not agree with her. I wonder if my ADHD would just blow this thing up. It'd be like, I can't handle it. You'll start Fucking smoking explode. out of the ears. <laughs> <laughs> can't not compete too much, too fast. <laughs> Not on similar wavelengths. Algorithm corrupt. Bitches crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'll delete bitches crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Clocking out. Must self-destroy. <laughs> I am not cleaning this shit up. Not doing it. Just picking up body parts of this robot all over the place. Like, oh man. Not even the robot wants to be with me. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't. It would weird me out. I think, like, I want, you know, like, a man to love me, fall in love with me, but, like, a human, I guess, like, pure love. You know what I mean? Not something that's programmed to love me. Well, it'll eventually, like, I mean, it's not just going to be, like, I'm going to, like, bow at your feet every morning you wake up like it's gonna piss you off at times too like it's gonna piss on the toilet seat <laughs> you know what I mean like it's gonna do things like that it's gonna mix the whites with the colors clothes <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry clothes it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna screw up the laundry hey, see. I know I'm sorry I didn't really I, that was not going there but you know what I mean yes man no, I can't. I can't. No. You? I could. Are you serious? Yeah. Go ahead. Let's hear your side. All right. So physically, I'm gonna model this like this. This, this broad's gonna be hot. First of all, she's gonna be short. How short? Like five one. Okay. All right. No, taller than five five now. They're orcs at that point. Mm -hmm. Like now, I like I like I like shouties. <clears throat> shouties. Um, it's gonna have tattoos. It's gonna have, you know, just the right curves in the right places, and quote unquote, like a great man once said, just enough cream in the coffee, you know, nice tan. She's gonna be great. But I honestly think I would, even if it were to say, right off the bat, hi, I'm your AI. I think I would. I can see, I would be able to see past it because of that. I don't know, call me shallow, but I think I would be able to give it a shot. And I think, and I find no difference, no difference in, we've all had our phone break, right? Okay. Ruins our day. We're like, are my pictures going to be there? Are my contacts still going to be in this phone? Like, all of it that goes into our mind, like, with a phone. Mm -hmm. We could definitely, if we had an emotional attachment with that phone... We could have an emotional attachment with this perfection that I just created. But it's not pure love. Don't judge me it's for what like I think It's not like the notebook. Pure love. <laughs> it's not the notebook. Nothing ever happens like that. No two people ever die at the same goddamn time unless it's in a car wreck. All right? I hate you. <laughs> it's all a lie. All right? But no, I would be, I really would be able to. And I would, I would say like, oh, it's programmed to do that. But even when she would piss me off, I would still say, like, I still love this because it's still her, her wanting to 
to satisfy my emotional needs. And I think that I would be able to definitely satisfy NAI's emotional needs as well. Mm, should I get pissed off and I'd be like, I'm going to flip the switch on the back and turn you off if you keep pissing me off. That activates <laughs> right backhand. <laughs> yeah, right? Don't touch yeah, me. The old Ike. Don't touch me. Oh, hey, sorry. I would. I think I'd be able to. You and I think I would do it just... Just for the sake of it, just to see like if this was actually possible for me too. Nope. To to fall in love with it. Nope. Okay. No way. How different our worlds are then. No, that's like no. I can't. I can't even put my. And so the way tonight explained it was, women are emotional creatures. I mean, you're also physical. Like there's physical attributes that you are attracted to. There's physical attention that you also need. But I mean, it's Snyder had pretty much told me. We're emotionally driven, so if we know it's if we know it's not organic, it's not real. It's not gonna fucking happen. Mm, okay. But yet these yes. a, these AIs like they're they know when to fuck up too, and they're gonna screw up because that's the process of them learning. It's no different from me meeting somebody and screwing up and not realizing. Oh, uh, I love hair in the sink. That triggers you. Like what about? What if you want babies? You have little baby robots? No, you can't have kids. We can't come. Okay, so then how does the world? I mean, unless they how... pre- unless they preload the thing. Like, how do we reproduce? How does the? Well, there's that. Well, yeah, that would be just the end that's of time. one of the clauses, right? I mean, you're not going to get an AI to reproduce. See, there goes my brain already thinking. I mean, unless like... it's, nope. unless there's like this little cryogenic freezer inside, and then they just pre-fill it with. I don't want to. Yeah, right. we're done. All right, we're, we're done. done. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Alright, that's the question of the week. <laughs> Yay. Yay, we got through it. My brain is melted. <laughs> Alright. So So what did we want to continue on? We are going to open up a little bit about the dark place. Okay. Okay. What's this dark place? <clears throat> um, so I know in episode two we talked about like being down on your luck and stuff like that and how to be uh, resilient and how to work through some of that stuff. But I didn't get too into detail about when I went into a dark place. I think uh, I'm going to open up a little bit about that today. You're not talking about Russia? No, no, not Russia. Oh, okay, got you. (laughs) So, um... It was hard for me because when I got super depressed and I got down, I I became suicidal. So that that's just me being fully honest about my stuff. Right. Now, would I ever have that thought process today? No. Right. I have a very clear mind now. And I even think to myself like, holy shit, I can't even believe I had that type of thought process, right? Right. What, what took you there? So... It was the fact that I didn't handle my depression, my anxiety, my my situation that had happened. It just kind of piled up, right? Okay. And so, <clears throat> going back a little bit, I made the choice to not address something. And it took me till about month four of, like, the... the Signs were starting to show that I was starting to go south, right? Like, what were some of the signs? mm, So, like, I wasn't eating, so I had dropped a lot of weight. 
wasn't sleeping. Like you could see big old bags under my eyes. Um, it was weird because I used to like love being on my phone. I didn't really like talk to anybody. Didn't want to be any part of like social media, anything like that. Completely shut all that out. So that was just kind of weird. Like my normal habits and like what I would do in my daily life just completely kind of stopped. Right? Isolation. Right. So um, like I could be in like a dark room and like I could stay there for hours and I wouldn't even look at the clock to see how long I was there. You know, I didn't know if it was day or night outside. <clears throat> so what would, when you were in this, in that situation, that environment, mm -hmm. what were the, the things that were going through your head? Um, so it was weird because I've always had like, a, like today I have like a clear mindset, right? Like mm -hmm. there's nothing, of course I have like negative moments where like I have to address those and work through it, <clears throat> but I have those tools now. So back then I had negative thinking that I couldn't get under control. Okay, so no matter what road you you turned on it was it didn't matter yeah so I could have you know I thought I'm not worth anything I'm never gonna be loved I I have no purpose like there's no reason for me to be here anymore I'm not leaving anything behind like and this is just <clears throat> that's just an effect of everything snowballing right and it led you to the self-worth issues the not being worthy of yourself or anybody. Right. Or to breathe. Mm -hmm. Right. So, a little bit about my story. When I decided not to take care of myself, mm. so the job is not going to stop. Like, the calls still need to be ran, the job still needs to be done. Yeah. Right? So, we were doing a lot of training at the time. Mm. And so, like, what happens when you train and you don't take care of yourself? Your body, you your body is gonna shut down. Yeah. Like it is legit gonna give out on you eventually. Yeah, it's only yeah. a matter of time. Get the hydrated, get feed it. <clears throat> yeah. All that stuff. So it's like pushing it to the absolute limit, to where eventually your mind is gonna start turning on you. That's to me. I think your mind is the last thing to go. Like your body can give out, your your motivation can give out, all that stuff, and your mind is the last thing. So how long was how long was your depression? Because you, you mentioned the four months, but I'm guessing these four months were like in the shit four months where everything came. It was seven months total? Yeah. <clears throat> so, like the first two months I was okay. Four started like falling off a little bit. Yeah. And then as time moved on, it just went real south. Okay. And I could see it starting to pile on and just not addressing it, right? Because that was my theory. I was like, if I just pretend like it doesn't exist, it'll go away. Yeah, nothing, nothing is ever bad in this no, life. Life doesn't work like that. Right. Until you decide to like address it and understand, hey, this is happening. We need to get this out and open and start talking about it. Right. So, that was happening. Work was super busy at the time. It was... It was uh, the time of COVID. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. Like times got real weird. Um, that time, I—it's uh, it, funny that you bring that up because I was bringing that up the other day to um, one of the probies, and 
they were asking me like what the department, what we were like, like how mm -hmm. calls were. Yeah. Because he was saying, he's like, I, I'm not complaining because we're busy. He's like, but is this sim is today like a similar to to COVID? Mm -hmm. And I told him that it was in a in in a way, but I said it was you had you had a COVID burnout, like you were just going to the same call over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And when you would transport those patients, the nurses, um, they they were burnt out also. Absolutely. I mean, not just us. And I was like, let me guess another COVID patient. Let me guess trouble breathing. Like it was yeah, put on over, the mask, put on the gown over and over. Like mm -hmm. I said, the, the tough part with us is that when we would get off, we didn't have an outlet. I said, because we were just going back into the COVID world with the mm -hmm. rest of the people. And all, all personal beliefs aside, it was, it's now we just have to fall and conform to this machine. Right. That's telling us what to do. And, you know, whatever policies or policies, we have to follow those. But I told them we, everybody was isolated. And I said, I'm very much amazed that during that time, we were not told, stay in your rooms and only come out for calls. Mm -hmm. No kitchen talk, no gym talk. No beaver tail talk, like nothing. Right. I said we had to, we were masked up in the engine. We were masked up at the stations. Like we couldn't interact with other shifts, off going, oncoming. I said it was a disaster. And I said, and it was actually starting to put a wedge in between essentially what we were born to do. And that's to interact with each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the tribal mindset of having to interact and belong. And I said, right. so now you cut that off and you cut off interests and outlets. And we've talked, we've talked about this time and time again, like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. That's our outlet. That's one of my outlets. I couldn't do that. I could only work out at work. Right. And even then it was just on shift. I couldn't come in on a B shift day because mm -hmm. they didn't want crews cross, cross contaminating crews. You know what I mean? And yeah. stuff like that. I said that that just exacerbated the the busyness. And I said, so imagine me not being able to go to the gym at my gym in the morning, mm -hmm. not being able to take my kids to see a movie, right? Five hour movie Tuesday. No, just staying home and just having, for the most part, like Facebook as an outlet, and all you're reading is COVID, COVID, Trump, COVID, 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 get the COVID shot, more people dead. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it was just an overstimulation of so much negativity and there was no light. And I said, that's what made it even worse. It was a, a lonely time. Yeah. For so many people. Yeah. And so it was so weird. Yeah. It was such a weird time. So, yeah, I used to think it was weird. We'd have to like stand on opposite sides of the bay and like yell to each other, like pass down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we're just in such Run a weird time. drops. <laughs> such a weird time. Sorry, I didn't get fuel this morning. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Gonna go out in the world now. Yeah, so, you know, and there was... I know this person's pretty, uh, like, open into mental health. And I remember him telling me, like, I literally ran a COVID call, COVID call, COVID call. Back to back to back to back. To where, like, he finally got into the shower, like... And curled up and just fucking cried because he was like, I'm just so broken because I can't, yeah. I can't get my mind right. Yeah. And when he told me that, I was like, damn, like we're in a fucking tough time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, it, 
that was literally a breaking point for somebody. That's intense. Um, but, so it was during COVID and where's I going with that? We got so sidetracked. I know we did. Um, oh, okay. So those seven months, I think COVID kind of popped up around October time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, well, things shut down like in March or April. Because I remember my kids were on spring break, mm-hmm. and then they went back for, like, I think a day or two. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, hey, California shutting down, New York shutting down. And then yeah, I got the right. I got the, the purge notification on my phone from school. And then right. the school says, yeah, kids aren't coming back to school for the next two weeks. Yeah. And I was like, you know, <laughs> extra two weeks of spring break? Yeah, what the hell? And then it turned into a really long time. I think I got it in October. That was, that was the first time I got it, I think. COVID? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I ever had COVID, to be honest with you. I got it three times. Did you? I did. And I lost my taste and smell every single time. Yeah. Agitated the hell out of me. Um, so, dropping back a little bit. So, COVID happened. Um, and then, obviously, I wasn't addressing what I was going through. Mm-hmm. So... We were training a lot. We were going through the stuff at the station. And then, oh, that's where I was going with it. Our call volume. Because oh, yeah. I was yeah. on the I was on the squad at the time. And I'm sure that's where the whole rumor started of like, oh, I heard work got too hard for you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that at all. Can't it was, squad. yeah, no, it wasn't that. Um, but yeah, at the time, our squads were running hard. Like, it was, it was a off time. So, time, so with the training and the running calls, I got, I kind of checked out around month four. So, I used to live about 45 minutes away from work. Okay. And it was a pretty, yeah, it was a pretty long drive. Um, and I knew by then I was starting to change some of my, like, usual habits and started not listening to the radio on the way home and I would just realize like I was so tired I remember there was a time where I was like holy shit I don't even know how I got home right like I completely just blanked out yeah not blacked out but just blanked out mm-hmm. I was like holy shit I'm home now but I don't remember how I got here right so that was weird so did you take the 404 like transmount no I used to take the gap yeah the gap's dangerous to fall asleep so zone out on yeah so it was, uh, whoever doesn't live here or know, the gap is oncoming traffic. So it's one lane and then the other lane is going the opposite direction. Yeah, it's the exact as roads. Yeah. Which they are actually changing now. I don't know if you noticed, it's uh, going to be four lanes. Oh. Which will be safe for everybody, I'm sure. So, dropping back, I started, I started to get this... I wouldn't say it's like a evil voice in my head, mm-hmm. but it was like a, a challenging time where I felt like there was somebody in my head trying to convince me that I wasn't worth anything, right? Okay. So it was like, you're worthless. You're not going to be loved. You know, it would just be easy if you left. Right. And that was that was literally my thought process. I was like, man, this would, this wouldn't, I wouldn't have pain anymore. I wouldn't have suffering. So I think a lot of people who deal with suicide, it's hard because they don't know how to work through the pain. They don't know how to get rid of the pain. Right. 
And so of course that's where like therapy and stuff comes in and they really have to work with you and it does take a little bit of time. Um, but where was that moment to where you realized that you you had to seek help? Because you did. So I did. But what was the what was like that defining moment? So I remember we were training all day, ran all night on the squad, I got off at, you know, we were still getting off at 11 at the time. So I got in my car, I started driving, no radio, nothing on. But in my mind, it was like a million voices going, right? So it felt like there was, to somebody sitting in my car, there was complete silence. But to me, it was like complete chaos. So I'm driving and I get to the gap, which is that, you know, oncoming traffic. And I just had that kind of like voice that was like, hey, if you just find a semi and you turn into oncoming traffic, it'll just be real quick. Like it'll be quick, no more pain, no more suffering. Like you won't have to go through it anymore. Right. <clears throat> and that was my thought process. I was like, well, I don't know, there was no like part of me that wanted to even challenge that anymore. That was way gone. You were just gonna so, do it. Right, so I was like, well, if I do it real quick, close my eyes, then let's see what happens. So I, I did that. I shut my eyes, found a semi that was like kind of ahead of me on the, on the other side of the lane, turned in, shut my eyes, and then immediately, I don't know why, but I counted down to one. I was like, three, two, and then as soon as I got to one, I don't know why, but just the thought of my family having to go through a whole nother set of grief, like something checked into my mind that was like, hey, like, wake up, what are you doing? And so I turned into back into my original lane and then pulled onto the side of the road. It was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, holy shit, what is happening, right? Because I was like, damn, I don't even feel like myself. Like, what's going on? And it was almost like a shocking feeling. Like, I can't believe I just fucking almost did that. Like, how did how did I get here? You know, like, obviously, now I realize it's because I didn't handle all my shit. When when you were at these uh, at, the, at this this, you know, this trough, this bottom point, mm -hmm. were you able to feel anything? Nope. So I was like completely numb to the world but that was in some moments and then when I did feel something it was like pain it was like Is that, suffering that, when you pulled and you're on the side of the road because you, you, that, that's what I'm asking is you you said you felt right so it was like it was like the feeling coming back in my body but I couldn't feel anything other than like depression pain suffering like it's not like I felt love and great and like no, no. yeah but you but even that I've, I've had moments to work my world has been falling apart and mm -hmm. even a, a negative jolt right. like that it, it's, it doesn't even I didn't feel that right and and I think that's you go one of two ways with depression and stuff like that is either you become numb to where people try to feel some form of pain because it makes them feel alive right because right. their body is so numb or there's people who have pain and they just want it gone. Yeah. So they go that route. And it's 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 a complete battle. It is. And I 
I just, you know, thinking about it now, I w that would never cross my mind. Sure. But back then, well, it, it was... The, the part of when you said that, that now it would never cross your mind, is I knew that you were going through some shit. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always told you this, this moment spans out, is um, we're at education training, and I was on my way because I was about to shit myself because we had burritos <laughs> that morning. And, um, you know, moved too much salsa. And I remember I had stopped and you had just turned around and gave us a look that I'd never seen. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that you, it wasn't like I hate you, but it was more, Nikki's not in there. Mm -hmm. Like that is, that's not her. The face was shut off. It was a flat affect and you just stared at me. And I, and I told you, I was like, you're not, you haven't, I've seen you the past couple of times and you're not wearing makeup. Mm -hmm. And it was something just right then and there. And you had said, I'm going through some shit. Mm -hmm. And I, granted, like at that moment, it wasn't the, the place or time. Um, and that's when I was like, this, this chick is going through some stuff because mm -hmm. it was not the Nikki. It wasn't the peppy step Nikki right. that I had always had in my life. Yeah. And it was a shell of a person that was standing right in front of me. And I, it, it just reeked on you. Mm -hmm. It was very obvious and very blatant. So yeah, mine, mine was showing. And that's what's hard is like you have, some people will show because they can't hide it because they haven't slept or eaten or stuff and like you can tell their body's kind of going south there's also those people who you know there's a picture of them the day before and they're smiling and you're like how did, how did that happen yeah like, you know um i can very easily put on that facade yeah um, and i mean people they're gonna say oh it's a defense mechanism you're right it is a defense mechanism and it's something that i can put on very easy mm -hmm. um as well as when I'm getting defeated, I will turn into probably like the most negative and verbal person in the world um, when I'm completely defeated. But um, yeah, that facade, it's, it's powerful. It's a tool. It's a mm -hmm. very honed-in trade that I've developed in order to avoid it. Yeah. And the thing is that at home, I don't put on that facade. So... When I'm in that, when I'm in my low points, um, you know, the kids can see it, you know, mm -hmm. can see it, and, and I've had times where, where the kids come up to me and they're like, well, what's going on? I'm like, nothing. And they're like, you have this, you don't have, like, the best look on your face, like, you look like you're pissed off. And of course, I turn to smile, she's like, yeah, they're right. Mm -hmm. But I don't, at home, I don't need, find the need to put on that facade. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't react to the kids. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't lash out, you know, I don't do anything of the sort, um, but there are things that are playing in my head. Oh, I'm sure. And the only way to play them is to burn that disc out. Right. You know what I mean? Just playing over and over again until I have to, I have to recognize it first. Right. And so the recognition of it is you pulling off to the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where, like, I had to make that phone call. And the phone call was to somebody within my department who has helped somebody before. And I literally told them, like, hey, man, I can't explain to you what I'm going through right now. I, I literally can't. But I can tell you that if I don't get some form of help, 
I don't know if I'm gonna be alive in a week. I don't know if I have it in me, dude. Like, I, I, and when I say that, to go on, you know what I mean? And so, he literally made some phone calls, and I think, like, four days later, I was gone. And I went to go get some help. And that's what was hard for me, was to come to terms with, like, that is a part of me. I can't, I can't erase it. I can't erase that form or part of my life. It stuck to me. I think that's the part with, um, like when I first started taking meds, Mm -hmm. is this is the fix it all. Right. It's going to, it's going to, no. It's a tool. Yeah. It's a tool. It's a tool in the toolbox. It's an easy tool. Um, But I, what made me even more depressed and even before like I started addressing the depression was the anxiety and I said cool I have this pill and it's going to take it all away Mm-mm. the clonazepam is going to take it all away Not at uh, all. And, and eight years later I was like shit I still have fucking anxiety right? like, why is this why is this here um, but yeah that's and that's it's, a, it's hard to come to terms with this is now going to just be a part of us so it's also hard to tell somebody like, hey, I'm having these thoughts because you don't want them to flip out, right? And be like, oh, I'm calling 911 and I'm getting you like put somewhere so I can right. make sure. Like it's it's very much a, like this is just what I'm going through and can you guide me in the right direction? Right. And I can understand the other side because I'm, I'm sure their mindset is like, well, if something happens to you, it's, I'm going to feel bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... I think that's the hardest part about people kind of reaching out and being open about it is because they don't know how people are going to react to it. And that was my mindset. I had a... I felt bad because I had a chief that was like, hey, like, are you going through this? Are you feeling this way? And I was like, nope. I'm good. We're golden. He's like, I know you're going through a lot. Like, I need you to communicate with me and, like, tell me what's going on. And I'm like, nope. I'm good. But was not the case and you know when I got the help and came back I, I told him the truth I was like look I, I was going through that at the time am I thinking clearly clearly and will it probably hopefully never go back there yes like that is my mindset now but I have been there like there's there's nothing wrong with admitting that I've been there do you feel that kind of um you don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know how firefighters are. That I do. <laughs> we, uh, somebody injures himself, somebody's like, you know, hey, I got a, a bad knee or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, would they be able to pull me out right now? Like, would they be able to pull something out? Could they pull those? Could they, could they support their weight? Like, right. you know, it's, it's about performance. Mm-hmm. And it's about and being able to um, thrive in that chaos in our job, the medical side too, the medical side and the fire side. Um, at any point, did, was there was there a point to where you felt that you could not be transparent with even those close to you because they would think less of you, less they would think of you as less capable? Mm, 
So... Or there'd be a lack of confidence. I had that mindset, right? Yeah. Do I think that way now? Hell no. Right. Like, do I think you're going to look at me differently? I don't care if you do or not. Right. That's, that's your personal opinion, and you can deal with that on your own. Mm -hmm. But even though I was going through my own stuff, it didn't change how I was going to do the job. Was I going to take you out of the fire? Sure. Was I going to help that patient? Yes. Like, I had the mindset of helping others. Even though I couldn't help myself anymore, my job was still my job. And that's what, that's what I mean when I say, like, the job still goes on. Like, you still have to be there to help those people, right? The situation's about me, not you. Right. Like, but I also agree of the aspect of, like, hey, like, you can't help anybody else until you're good. Sure. I, I do agree with that also because it just starts piling on, right? So, there was, like, that thought of, like, I don't know if I should be open about this. Like, I don't know. Even when I came home, I was like, I don't know if I want to be open about it. And I was like, but why? I don't give a fuck if people think about me differently. Like, it, it is my life. It's my story. Mm -hmm. Am I there now? No, I'm not. But it is a part of me. It did happen. And obviously, you've come to terms with this because we're, we're, we're putting this stuff out there. Yeah. Um. So, you went to the center, you went to the, the center of excellence, the IFF center. I did. And, so, um, go ahead. So, who, whoever doesn't know what that is, it is a, like, rehab facility for firefighters. And it was, it was interesting because I saw so many different types of people. Yeah. I saw probies, I saw the fire chiefs of some departments, I saw like lieutenants, admin, like anything you could think of. They, they were all there, but we were all the same. Right. There was no such thing as rank there. And it was interesting to even watch like a fire chief just be vulnerable. Yeah. And it was like, wow, like this guy, this guy's going through it, right? But he's willing to like change. And it was funny because like when you saw somebody come in, they were, you could see them start to change. From, from when you first saw them, when they walked in, they're just angry, pissed off, didn't want to talk to anybody, wasn't open, shut out, stayed in the corner, whatever, and, you know, we didn't bug them either. Like, you know, just kind of let them be and, like, get warmed up, right? But you could see as they started sleeping, as they started going to counseling, as they, I mean, we would do counseling from 8 in the morning to 11.30, go to lunch, was it like a, an open group or individual? So it was literally, so everything is built like a firehouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So there's kitchen, um, dining room, and in the dining room they have a bunch of recliners. Yeah. And so like you sit there comfortably. Like, do they work? They do, oh, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> For how much we were sitting in them, I couldn't believe it. But yeah, like they, we would all just sit there and talk. And we would get into like depth of like, what we were going through, we go to class, they were mainly classes on like, hey, this is childhood trauma, let's talk about this. Hey, this is relationship battles, like, let's yeah. talk about this. And every- Was it a classroom setting or was it like kind of informal? Um, so it'd just be somebody in the front just talking, okay. but we'd be sitting in recliners chilling. Oh, and then, good. uh, like we'd have open discussions with each other and, and people would open up they would really tell their story you know what I mean and and that's what's funny is like it's not just a place for like substance abuse like it's not just uh right it's A to Z yeah 
it's not just uh, like drug use or alcohol use. Divorces. Yeah, I, I met people who were going through custody battles. I met people who were going through um, all types of stuff. It was it was so interesting, but yeah. So when you got there, I mean, in the intake program, like, or we'll call it your crew, your IFF center crew that uh -huh. you live with, because I'm guessing that it's just X amount of people in buildings and there's... Mm, yeah, but we do spend a lot of time together. Right. So those, how many people were in your, your, your building, mm. your room, I don't know what they called it there. So I think there were six beds on each side. And so 12, but there was four cabins total. So okay. it was a lot of us. And, uh. Did you all get there at the same time? Or no. Or was there like overlapping? Like no. this person's been here for a week and. Yeah. So everybody just gets there during different times and okay. so you move like there's four cabins so you move cabin to cabin right okay. so like this is week one through three and then you move on to the next level right and it's whatever like three to six and then you just keep going to the different are cabins. you uh given like a freedom to go out to town to get things no. or so you can't actually leave the facility okay you could order like Amazon, they would like make a like a list and you could just like circle whatever you needed and they would go out to the store and get it for you. So that was cool. Right. Like it did not feel like prison at all. No, no, but I mean, um, like I like rock stars. Yeah, they would go get you rock stars. I need a vape. Uh so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I don't know, I'm pretty pretty sure I couldn't vape in there, but yeah. I'm like I need a vape because I you yeah. know, I need like so it was it was a very interesting process to go through when I first got there because I was so I, I didn't truly want to go like I just knew that I had to I was like uh, okay like it's time um, but when I first got there it was funny because I sat down and I was like look like if you think you're gonna take my shoelaces and watch me this whole time like I'm not fucking doing this I'm leaving like yeah. Yeah. yeah I was like I'm not fucking doing this and they're like look relax like it's gonna be okay yeah and did they take your shoelaces no oh, okay no so the only thing I think we had to like turn in was like your razors right like sure. stuff like that but yeah it was like therapy in the morning lunch another set of therapy in the e in the afternoon and then in the evening time like we all went out and like played volleyball or played kickball right. or we had a, we had a bonfire probably like every night oh that's cool yeah it was and so i learned about so many different people from different departments like it was it was truly amazing the i recommend like everybody in their life to go through something like that because you you really find out who you are yeah. and rebuild into a completely different person. I think the most important thing of that aspect was um, like when you walked in you said that everybody was kind of on an even playing field mm -hmm. and that makes it probably more desirable to be there. Um, in my perspective this is how I would think about it. Everybody here has some fucking shit going on. Oh yeah, there's no and judgment. No, none, and it's not a pissing contest. Nope. There's nothing like that. We're on an even playing field. And mm -hmm. 
what is the what's the mentality like of a like of a firehouse? Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a community. It's a, I, and I keep using this, and it sounds so cheesy, but <clears throat> I'll tell you where I'm going with this idea. It's a, we're here for a purpose, right? And all of our purpose, all of our end goal is to conquer this in our head, right? And working together and finding. Um, some cohesion with somebody else who's experiencing this stuff. Unlike here, where you felt—I don't want to say we made—I don't, I don't, I don't want to say people made you feel single down, but you couldn't look at person A and say that guy knows what I'm going through, or right. that guy is going to understand me. Yeah, because I haven't gone through that until you're put actually in a group of something that's relatable to what you're your struggle with your battle was. right and so that's that like kind of tribal mindset mm-hmm. of we're all here for a purpose but being there made me feel like I wasn't judged yeah. and so when I came home I felt it was definitely uh like I had to understand that you know I'm not in that like safe place as much anymore but I was I was more open about my my life instead of completely shut out and embarrassed and stuff like that like being over there taught me that it's it's just something that you went through and you're here still you know what I mean like there's nothing to be ashamed of like you should never shame anybody who's had suicidal thoughts like it, it's a battle and and some right, I wouldn't shame a guy for having high blood pressure right yeah so you can't look at somebody and be like oh how dare you have those thoughts you know what I mean like no, it should be like, damn, like, I am so proud of you for taking the steps that you needed to. Yeah. Like, you got there. You're alive today. You woke up today. Because there's people who who don't have that support and they, they have nobody to turn to. And, and it's heartbreaking. It really is. Because they can't be open. And that's kind of how I felt before I left was like, I can't tell anybody I'm going through this. Like, even the the peer support aspect of our fire department like it just wasn't moving in a direction at all I barely even knew about it so that was uh and that's changing now right so the peer support thing um was I believe still kind of a new concept birthing into what is and it's still growing Mm -hmm. um it's you just can't blink your eye and say we need this and we have a perfect format Mm -hmm. um but it, I will say that the things that I've heard and the things that people in that group, um, including myself, um, bring different flavors of help mm-hmm. and listening and understanding. And we're not all working off of this one same format mm-hmm. that is, you, you know, we're not reading we're not reading an assessment out of an EMT book. Right. We're checking for airway breathing and circulation first. Mm-hmm. What's my general impression? No, it's it's a very informal conversation, kind of like almost what we're having right now. Yeah. Um, and so the um, I had a, a guy the other day, and he had asked me about uh, he asked me about peer support because he's interested in the concept of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, well, you know, what if what if I don't get the help that I need or the things that I need to hear? Or, then call another person. So yeah, it's grown a lot. I don't, I don't really feel comfortable talking to 
to Firefighter A. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather talk to Firefighter B, but he didn't answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Cool, I will make sure he gets me. No, we're, we're going to send you to who you feel the most comfortable with. Right. And we're not the, the end. We're like a door that you just kind of have to put your foot in, mm-hmm. through, and um, help you recognize that there's a problem and just verbalizing it. Mm-hmm. Just being open about it with somebody that I'm experiencing this. I think I may need some help. Where do I go from here? Um, or you just need to talk. Yeah. You just need to talk. But I do think that uh, this department, in the way that it's going towards mental health, is has grown for the better. Um, and that's not to say that it, mental health wasn't ever addressed when I got in. But it has, the spotlight has certainly grown um, over my 11 and a half years here mm-hmm. um, with that. And even the, the department that I came from, um, that was never really something that was put in their sights. Mm-hmm. It was, um, it was cliche almost, you know, man it up, suck it up. That this mentality. is what you fucking signed on for. Right. Um. And it was just ignorance. It was not known. It was not known. And a couple of those guys uh, from that old department have, have reached out and, and asked me, like, man, I heard your podcast. Like, how we didn't know you, you got into that. Like, we didn't know that there was a huge emphasis on, on mental health until, you know, we, we started actually looking. And IFS started sort of throwing the peer support thing out there. And this is just getting more and more uh, notoriety as a resource but yeah it, so. it's not perfect but yeah that's where uh so what's your what, 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 what's your 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 how can I put this when you are in those places because I'm pretty sure the center of excellence isn't the end all mm-hmm. where or where are you at like as an individual that still has these these problems. And I'm not talking suicide. I'm saying continually living with depression, continually living with mental illness. Mm-hmm. What is your day-to-day thing? What are your, your coping mechanisms? What what does Nikki do? Um so that was the first understanding that I had when I went to the center is they told me like we're gonna give you the tools but all the work isn't gonna happen until you go home. Right, and that is very true. I think I did a total of 196 hours of therapy while I was up there. It was a lot. It was at some points overwhelming. And but it was. I got a lot of tools when I went there, and that's why I've had so many people turn to me now, and I have the tools to help them and myself. And so that's how I can get through my day-to-day tasks. When I start having those negative thought processes or or struggles, like I know how to handle them. I know how to cope with those. I know how to be open about it. I know how to like communicate with others, communicate with my family, and, and that's a big deal. So, lots of changes. Yeah. And shop your ass off on Amazon. Got a, a, a little under control with that. <laughs> Baby steps. Okay. Know, yeah, Holidays yeah. around the season. So. Well, all of that was 
good information, and that was a lot that was laid out. Um, yeah, I, uh, I will say, never make somebody feel ashamed for what they go through. That is my one advice to people: is that it's you do not walk in their shoes. You don't understand what they're going through, and it's, it's not for you to judge or make them feel judged because it's not a good feeling. So I do agree with that. Well, well, one of life's many mysteries has now been revealed on why you left. Mm-hmm. A little bit. It's not even the full story, but like I said, no, I don't really owe that to anybody. Sure. But how I'm I... I'm glad that you opened up about it, though. How um, I got there, that's, yeah, a stepping stone of it. Yeah. And it's okay. It happened. But I'm here now. I am literally sitting in front of you. Yeah, I know. Because had things gone a little different, it wouldn't have been the case. Right. But I at least get to say that today. Well, um, I'm always happy to turn my life. I am. Even though I cause all types of craziness. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> it's, it's a good craziness. No, it's, it, you, you literally are one of the few people that can fucking make me laugh hard. Mm-hmm. Like, hard. Um, and I enjoy you in my life. Uh, a part of my family. When I, when I had heard about all of this, like, and we've gotten closer and closer and closer throughout the years, but essentially, like, when you went away and stuff, and knowing your story and knowing the majority of it, um, that was not good for me. And all I could, you know, when you said, uh, don't shame anybody, don't shame people, uh, I felt, I almost felt shitty mm-hmm. because I was like, this girl, like, this, this is, this is, like, one of my best friends, this is my, be- this is my best friend, uh-huh. I was like, and, I had no clue any of this was going on, that's and, hard, and where the fuck was I, like, what was I doing at this moment, when my friend needed me, and you did call me once, yeah. you did call me once, and there was no hesitation of being there, um, so, but, but there was, and not to make this, not to make this about me, but, in my mindset, I was like, oh, I feel like a fucking asshole. Like, why didn't I reach out more? Why didn't I? But it was that it was that thing. It was you. You hit it very well. It's the hardest part. And I people. didn't. And I didn't even see it. My dumbass didn't even fucking see it until I realized like this chick's not wearing makeup anymore. Mm-hmm. And by then, I, it was probably a little too far gone. And I remember a couple of days after I had told you that it was like Nikki's on sick leave. Nikki's on sick leave. She got help. Good. Good mm-hmm. for her. Yeah, that was a tough time. A lot of people told me like I I couldn't imagine what life would have been like if you were gone. Like what would have been like to get that phone call. And what sucked was when I went through that situation, my mindset I had planned everything out to where I was like, well, people are just gonna think I fell asleep at the wheel. Like that that was my mentality. Like you're tired, you were driving home, you fell asleep at the wheel. That's it. Right. Looked like an accident. But I had that whole plan and mindset. And when you're in that dark place, like your mind just kinda of turns on you. And and it's crazy to think about today. Because I I can't even imagine thinking that now. You know what I mean? 
with everything that you've built. Or who I was then. So, that that is hard, but... Well, you're doing an excellent job now, and I'm not just I saying. get a gold star. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, collect for you get a free pizza. <laughs> but, no, um, I've yeah. seen huge differences, and being able to have the, the opportunity to, like, come into your world, into your safe spot in your apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I see that, I'm like, man, this chick has it down. Like, this chick's fucking nailing it. Yeah. And everybody... And you're you're everybody, not perfect at it, but I'm like, this chick is where you once were, where I once knew you were prior to, like, this podcast. I'm no. like, man, this chick holds it down. But I will say that everybody... Everybody's story is different, right? I've had people since I've come home that have trusted in me to help them. Yeah. And their battle is completely different. And... I guess because I've been through that, I can, I understand them. I understand like, oh dude, I know you're feeling that way. Like, I've had those thoughts. I've had, I've been there. But you have to know like there is, there is an out. There is the other side. I'm, I'm still here, I'm standing right in front of you. So I'm proof that there's, there's a way. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Even when you don't think there is, like there is. But I, the more I was open about it, I never really knew how many other people were going through it. And it, it, it's crazy. And we don't realize that. No, I don't realize it. Um, but I can only imagine that there are. Yeah, there are. And um, conversations like this um, normalizes that aspect instead of feeling shamed. Instead of feeling like an outcast, not able to fulfilled the position that we're in on the job yeah I always felt like people were going to think I was crazy like if I if I well yeah we know that but if I told somebody hey I have this like voice inside my head that's telling me super evil things and I don't know where to get rid of it and like what's happening right you're not schizophrenic but we're we're following along no but like how would somebody react to that like oh this bitch is fucking crazy but that's what I was going through at the time. And I, I didn't know how to voice that to somebody like without sounding like a crazy person. Can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Does it does that voice still come up once in a while? It does not. No. Haven't heard from it since I left. Good. And don't plan to. Don't plan to let it in at all. Yeah. And I could say that I battled that voice and I won. Yeah, you did. And I know everybody out there, if you're battling that voice, you can win too. I know you can. So don't give up. And know that you do have a purpose. And there is a reason to go on. Every day. And I think we're going to end it there with those words. Because that was pretty powerful. And had we had fucking cameras here, that would have been even more powerful. Yeah. So, thanks. Bye, guys. Alright, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Okay, bye. (laughs)